You know, back in uh, the early 2000s, back in my day in 2006, back in the early 2000s, uh, I was a student ministry pastor at a church in Virginia Beach and oversaw high school and middle school ministry. And uh, one of the things that I taught myself was how to use Photoshop. Uh, and I used that so that I could um, design different graphics and, and bulletins and theories that we have uh, for our students. And I also learned to do some art on Photoshop. I actually made some art back in the day. Here's some of my art you can see. And um, there was this one time where I was working on Photoshop. I had to do something. I forget what it was. I had to create a layer or threshold something or rasterize something. I, I don't know what it was. But, but I was sitting there working in Photoshop um, on my computer. And my wife, who's a professional graphic designer, like this is what she does. She, she's designed several different logos and, and series slides and, and graphics and print material for, for other churches and, and, and businesses and companies. Uh, she has her very own business doing graphic design. Uh, she's done work for companies like Jolly Rancher and Hostess. My wife, who is a professional graphic designer, was, was sitting there watching what I was doing. And I'm sitting there fooling around in Photoshop, and I select this thing, and then I uh, create a new layer, and then I command D on it, and command T, and then I move it around, I rasterize it, vectorize it, do whatever, and I finally do the thing that I'm trying to do. And she asked me just in the, in the background watching, what, what were you trying to do? And you could just, it was just dripping with poor little person. Like, this is, what were you trying to do? I said, well, I was trying to do this thing. And she said, oh, you know you could do this. And then she moved me out of the way and did it in one click. Like, like this thing that was taking me seven or eight steps to do, she saw it and was like, oh, you know you can just do that in one step. No, I didn't know that. Because if I knew that, I'd be doing it that way. I had no idea that I could do the thing I was trying to do in just one step. See, what I was doing wasn't good. It took somebody with greater expertise, greater experience to see what I was doing and say, you know, there's, there's actually a better way to do that. And after she showed me, everything changed for me. The unnamed narrator, Edward Norton, in the movie Fight Club meets Tyler Durden on this airplane. And as he's having a conversation with Tyler Durden, he, uh, he, he says something, and, and then Tyler says, what I consider the, the fight club test. See, the, the unnamed narrator says, you're the most interesting single-serving friend I've ever met. And he goes to explain what he means by single-serving. And he's like, no, no, I get it. it. It's very clever. And then Tyler asks the fight club test. It's this question. How's that working for you? Edward Norton says, what do you mean? And Tyler says, being clever. How's that working for you? And then Edward Norton responds by saying, well, it's working out great. And then Tyler Jordan says, well, keep it up. How's that, how's that working for you? What? Being clever. Oh, it's working out great. Well, then keep it up. I want to I ask you th this morning, how's that working for you? Because here's what I'm convinced of. Just like when it came to me in, in Photoshop, I had learned a certain way of doing things. I had been doing it a certain way. I had been in a groove of doing things a, a certain way. Someone else came along, my wife, who's an expert at it, and said, you know, there's actually a better way to do that. Essentially, she was saying, how's that working for you? And it wasn't working very good for me, and she showed me a whole other way. Today, I want to ask you the question, how's it working for you? What? Not, not, not being clever like Edward Norton, but, but all of life. All of how you're doing life. How, how's that working for you? 
The way that you're, you're doing finances, how's that working for you? The way that you're doing marriage, how's that working for you? The way that you're doing schedule and priorities, the way uh, that you're doing relationships, the way that you're doing following God, the way that you're doing spirituality, how's, how's that working for you? I want to invite you today to, to just stop in the busyness of all that is going on in life and assess and answer that question, how's that working for you? Is the way that you're doing things leading you to the marriage you've always longed for? Is it leading you to the life you've always longed to live? Is it, is it bringing about peace in your finances? Is the way that you're doing things right now in life working for you? And I think if, if we were in a conversation and, and I were to ask you, hey, how, how's that working for you? I, I, I think most of us, the way that we would respond is we'd say, well, it's great. Things are great. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How's that working for you? It's great. We, we'd say that and then we move right on by. But I want to ask you to just pause. Like, if we camp out on this, if we drill down on this question, how's that working for you? I think if we really stopped and we assessed various areas of our life, we'd probably say, it's not so great. Actually, some of it sucks. Like, I've been trying my best. I've been doing everything I can. But this is not working for me. Or, or, or maybe, maybe more realistic what we say is we say, you know, it, it's, not, it's not great. It could be better. And that's it. We respond that way. Oh, it could be better. But then what we'll do is, is we'll move on in life, continuing to do the same thing that we've always been doing, right? Like how many of us, if, if we just stop and assess and look at our life, would say, you know, things aren't the best. They could be better. But at the end of this time that we have together, in about 25 minutes when we walk out this door, we're going to go right back to living the life that we've always been living, doing the same thing we've always been doing. I believe today is a day for things to radically change in your life. If you'll stop and ask this question and answer it honestly, how's that working for me? And for the things that aren't working well for you, you do something to change it. So I want to I wanna take some time today to really drill down on this. You know, 37 days ago, uh, we started a brand new year. And uh, we're in the process right now of starting a brand new church uh, and, and so this right here is our second sneak peek service. Our grand opening is going to be March 20th. And what we're doing right now is we're working towards the starting line. We, we have a grand opening. Uh, we, we're going to launch big. We're going to do all this advertising and marketing. We got 240 chairs that are in a port somewhere, in a warehouse somewhere, caught up in the supply chain or whatever. Hopefully we're going to get them by March 6th. But uh, we, we have big plans for a grand opening on March 20th. And uh, March 6th is our, is our third sneak peek service, but today you're part of this brand new thing that we're starting being at our second sneak peek service. And we just want to give you a taste of what's, what's to come, and we're, and we're figuring things out as we're meeting like this, but we're starting something brand new. And so being in this, this uh, operating mode of a brand new year 37 days ago, in, in this operating mode of we're starting a brand new church to, to see people meet Jesus and journey with him, like I'm, I'm thinking all new, 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 and I'm just constantly rethinking things, reimagining things, I'm questioning things, and I'm wondering what if there's a better way to do things. And this is me turning inward on my own life, saying, is what I'm doing working for me? Or is there a better way? Is there something that needs to shift, something that needs to change in my life? I want to ask you today, as we're 37 days from a brand new year and, and just starting, how's it working for you? And here's what I want to suggest. 
I want to give you the title. This is my suggestion. That some of what you're doing is not good. My suggestion for you right now, if you'll, if you'll humbly accept it, is what you're doing is not good. The way we take notes around here is we take pictures. So I want to invite you, go ahead and take a picture of this so you remember it. And then once you take a picture, check in. Let people know you're here. You're part of something brand new, something great, something uh, that, that's on the brink of starting this brand new church. This is how we take notes. So when you see slides come up, if you want to take a, a, a note of that, snap a picture of it, and then put your phone away or just set it down. Don't start playing Bejeweled or anything like that. But, but take a picture of this because what I want to suggest to you today is that what you're doing is not good. And I think you know it. I think you're aware of it. I want to I give us some context from the scriptures, and then I want to pull this into our life today. So um, about 3,500 years ago, uh, there was this moment where Moses, this man who led the nation of uh, Israel out of Egyptian captivity, was confronted with this, this very statement, what you're doing is not good. See, what happened 3,500 years ago was Moses, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace, Pharaoh the, the king of Egypt, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. But then he becomes a fugitive because he kills somebody. And so he runs off, scared for his life. He hides out for 40 years. And then God shows up to him and he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egyptian captivity. By the way, uh, I just want to point this out, that God can use you no matter your past. God can use you no matter what you've done. I I was talking with my neighbor this past week. I invited him to come to our, our sneak peek. And he said, oh, man, you don't want me coming. The, bur- the building's going to burn down if I walk in there. I said, we meet at a skating rink. Like, come on, you, you don't have to be. And, and, and what he was really saying in that is that he didn't have a proper understanding of who God is. If, if you felt that way this morning, you know some people who feel that way, can I just let you know? The building is still standing. You have not been struck down. Because God loves you for who you are and not as you should be. Because none of us are as we should be. We're all jacked up. We're all messed up. He didn't have a proper understanding of God, and my hope is that he's going to come one Sunday. I continue to pray for him. But uh, this should be encouragement to you that God can use anybody because God calls a murderer, Moses, to lead his people out of Egyptian captivity. And my guess is that not many of you have done that many bad things. So if God can use Moses, God can use you when he wants to. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, I want you to let your free labor force go. Let the the Hebrew slaves go uh, into freedom. And Pharaoh looks at that. He's like, no way, I'm not going to let that happen because they're giving me free labor. And then God sends all these plagues on Egypt. Eventually, Pharaoh is convinced to let the people of Israel go, and then he changes his mind. He says, wait, we want them back, so he starts to pursue them. God leads the nation of Israel, about a million people, through the Red Sea on dry ground, and when the Egyptians come through, he closes the Red Sea, he kills their army, and now here's Moses with the nation of Israel. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're camped out, and they're waiting for their next steps. Because God's ultimate goal is to deliver them into the promised land so they can have their own land, so they can become a people, they can become their own nation. But here's where we are right now. They're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're camped out waiting for the next step. And then Moses' father-in-law comes to visit him. And, and this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 18, verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. 
And Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down, and he kissed him, and they greeted each other, and then uh, they went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. So, So what's happened now is Moses and the Israelites are in this place of relative safety. They're camping out, and Jethro, his, his father-in-law, comes to visit him. And they're hanging out in the tent. They're having a couple pints, and they're talking about all the great things that took place, how the plagues came, how they crossed through the Red Sea. They're celebrating all these great and amazing things, and Moses is the leader of it all. And Moses has done a great job. And then the next day comes, and it's like, bring your father-in-law to work day. So, so, so this is what happens. The next morning, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. So the night before, Moses is hanging out with Jethro. They're, they're, they're talking about all the great and amazing things. Yes, this is awesome. And I imagine Jethro was like, Moses, you are killing it in everything. And then the next day, he shows up with Moses to work, and then Moses takes his seat, and then all the people line up to see Moses. Here's here's what we're going to do. I've I've never done this before in church, but I want to help you grasp a feel of what is actually going on here. What we're going to do is I'm going to have you stand up, and if I was in your spot, I would hate this because I'm an introvert, and I promise you don't have to talk to anybody, okay? But I'm going to have you stand up. You're going to form a single file line from right here, and we're going to go around here uh, just as long as it goes. So everybody, this is like an all skate. Everybody does it. So go ahead and line up in a single file line and just, just line up all, for however long the line goes, and, and I, want, I want you to see exactly what's happening. Yeah, so, so come on. We'll line up right around here. Jethro and Moses, they're hanging out. They're talking. Everything is great and amazing. All right, cool. Jethro, dead. I got to go to work. <clears throat> so he goes, and he takes his seat in front of all the people of Israel. There's like a million people. And what happens is they all line up waiting to talk to Moses because Moses has uh, things that he needs to judge and they have problems and they have issues. Here's, here's, here's what happens. He's, he's there seated. The people are lined up waiting to hear from him. And so the first person comes up and, and, and tells them their problem. Tell me your problem. Yeah. See, she thinks she doesn't have any problems. If you knew her, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. This is Teresa, I know. But so Moses hears it. And, and people come to him, and he's going to hear from this person about how this person wronged them, or this person did this one thing, or this one person said this one thing. And Moses, what are you going to do about it? What do we need to do? And then once Moses hears it, he passes his judgment. Here's what we need to do about it. And then, and then he tells them to, to move on. And then comes the next person, and then the next person, and the next person. And Jethro sees this happen. And he's like, oh, no. What? What are you doing, Moses? There's all these people. They're all lined up. You're the bottleneck in the process. You're the bottleneck in the system. They're all waiting to hear from you. And this is, this is what Jethro says. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? 
Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Imagine this is the system that we have, that in order for you to have a problem solved, for things to be judged for you, you got to wait in this line, and you got to see me. It's kind of like going to the emergency room. You're there all day for an emergency. My, my brother-in-law and his wife, they went to the emergency room the other day, and somebody was in the emergency room, and they fell down and were, like, having trouble breathing. They were faking it, but they were doing it so they could be seen sooner. Like, this is the case. You're waiting to hear from me, and it's taken forever. This is not good. This isn't good. And so he says, what, what are you doing? And I, I want you to notice real quick. Are you, are you feeling uncomfortable so far? We're not even done yet, right? This, all day, all day. But Jethro says, what are you doing, Moses? What are you doing? And I want you to notice, Moses has an explanation for why he's doing what he's doing. He has a reason for it. Well, well, see, you don't understand. The people come to me because I know God's decrees and his laws, and I'm the only one who can judge for them and tell them what to do. So that's why Moses has an explanation. He has a reason for the dysfunction that he's doing. If I were to ask you, again, as you just take a look at your life and you assess, why are you doing what you're doing? My guess is you have a reason for the dysfunction in your life. I have a reason for the dysfunction in my life. There's a reason why we do what we do. If there wasn't a reason, we wouldn't be doing it. Moses, why are you doing that? That doesn't make sense. It's ineffective. It's inefficient. Well, see, you don't understand. The reason why I'm going into debt like this is because I don't have enough money to pay for a car. See, you don't understand. The reason why my wife and I fight all the time is because she doesn't understand. Well, see, you don't understand. The reason why I yell at my kids is because I'm so frustrated by this. We have a reason, don't we? Why, why, why do you do what you do? Why do you respond that way? Why do you live that way? Why do you embrace that lifestyle? Why do you handle money that way? Why? Why? Well, I have a reason. Moses has a reason. We have a reason for the dysfunction. We have a reason for the ineffectiveness. We have a reason for the inefficiency. So Moses, this great leader, explains why he's doing things the way he's doing. And then Jethro, Jethro must have heard what I was preaching on because he stole my title. He said this, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. Hey, Moses, doesn't mean you're not a good leader. Doesn't mean you're not a good man. Doesn't mean you're, the way you're doing this is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen to me now, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. Jethro steps in and he sees this dysfunctional way of handling it, this ineffective way of handling it, this inefficient way, and he's like, wait, 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 there's a whole better way to do this. Here's what I want to have you do. Again, you don't have to talk to anybody. I want you to separate into groups of five and ten, just, just all around the room. Just separate in groups of five to ten. Five to ten. Something like that, yeah. Again, you don't have to talk to anybody. Some, some of y'all extroverts are like, no, but I want to talk to somebody. Come on, what's your name? <laughs> you don't have to talk to anybody. Now, here's the deal. Now you have an issue? Talk it out amongst yourselves, 
and see if you can figure that out. And then if you can't together, then come see me. Oh, now my load is lighter. Now you can get an answer much sooner and faster. This is a way more effective, way more efficient way of doing things than everybody waiting to see one person. You can go ahead and take your seat now. So this is what's happening. And Jethro explains, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses, there's a better way to do this. Let me, let me show you what it is. There's a better way to do this. Now, I want, I want to note real quick, Jethro does something that is very difficult for us to receive. He gives unsolicited advice, right? Have you ever had somebody give you unsolicited advice? Or maybe you've given unsolicited advice? Hey, you know, if you did this, you shut up. I don't want to hear it, right? Like, like we, we just feel annoyed. We just feel, oh, I, I don't even want to hear it. But I was, when I was sitting there doing this work in Photoshop and my wife came along, you know, you can do this. In order for me to receive what she was giving me, I had to embrace humility. I had to be humble. Had to be teachable. Let me ask you, do you embrace a posture of humility, teachability in life? When it comes to living differently, I've, I've said to you and suggested to you that there are some areas in your life where it's not good. What you're doing is not good. And I can confidently say that because I know there are some areas in my life that it's not good. There's a better way to live. There's a better mindset to have. There's a better attitude to embrace. What you're doing is not good. Now, before I can give you any advice, I want to make sure it's not unsolicited. It's not unsolicited because you came to church because you want to figure out how do I become more like Jesus, so I'm about to fix your life right now. No, I'm not. There's no way I can fix your life. I can't even fix my life. That's why I need Jesus. That's why we follow him. But Jethro gives Moses some advice, and what he says is that there's a better way for you to do this, I want to suggest today that there are a better ways for you to do some of what you're doing in life, and your life can look completely different, can look way better than it does right now, if you'll just act on what you know to do. So before I point out some of the areas, um, I, need to, I need to transition this to, to today, and, and I got to point this other thing out too, just, just so we don't miss it. You know, I used to be the guy... Um, who would offer advice when I saw stuff like this in the gym. Um, I used to go up to people and say, uh, hey, what are you trying to do? Because that's not a thing. You're not doing anything. You're getting no gains with that, right? I don't do that now. I just take videos of people and show them to you. So, and, and also... If you're that guy and you're here today, uh, man, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'd love to connect with you afterwards. We can talk about proper form and, and stuff like that. But, but, but what this guy is doing is not good. There's no gains gotten in those movements. But he can't see it. 
because he's doing it. You and I, we can see it. We can watch from a distance and we can say, what the, is that guy doing? We can see what he's doing is not good, but he can't see it. He's so close to it. It's him doing it. I want to suggest that there are some things in your life right now that are not good, but you can't see it because you keep doing it. But if, if we were to come look at your life in a glass case, we'd see it. You'd be like, hey, well, that's not good. Why are you doing that? Right? There are some things in your life you can't see because you're too close. So here's what I want to invite you to do. As we move forward to try and figure this out and how do, how do we move forward, I want to invite you to step back from your life, take a bird's eye view, and look at you doing what you're doing and really assess and see, is this good? Look back, bird's eye view, and just assess. You see it? You, you, and your, you and your spouse and the interaction that you're having with one another. And you already know how the conversation's going to go, right? Because she's going to say that passive-aggressive thing, and then you're going to get upset, and you're going to blame her, and then it's going to escalate into an argument, and there might be some name-calling and cussing. I mean, just, just zoom back. Do, do you see it? Is that the kind of marriage that you want to have? What you're doing is not good. There's a better way to live, right? Zoom, zoom back and just, just take a look at your life, right, and, and see the stress that you feel and, the, and the, the, the worry that you have around money because there's this debt, this car payment that you have, these credit cards, these student loans. You're just living this way. Just look back and, and look at yourself. I mean, you're, you're, you're like going, going to work just to pay somebody else, right? Just, just see that and say, man, that's the life I want to live, is it? Because if that's how you're living, what you're doing is not good. There, there, there actually is a better way to live. Just zoom back, zoom back, zoom back, and, and watch yourself on the computer. Look, do you see you looking at the sites or, or, or on your phone, looking at the sites that you're looking at? What you're doing is not good. Going to the bottle? Going to the drugs? Zoom back and just see yourself doing that. Is, that. is that the kind of life that you want to live? What you're doing is not good. There's a better way to live. Look, zoom back, zoom back. Look at the busyness and the frenetic pace that you live life. Listen to the things that you say. How are things going on? I'm busy. I don't have any time. Hey, what about this? No, I don't have any time. Look back and look at your schedule and see how packed it is and how overwhelmed you feel. And, and, and there is no rest. Is that the kind of life you want to live? There's a better way to live. And here's the thing. I get it. You're trying your best. You're trying your best. I'm trying my best. And sometimes we do these things because this is all we know. Why do you do relationships the way you do? Well, that's all I know. I mean, that's how my parents did it, and that's what I saw from them. And so... I end up reacting like my dad reacted because I saw him do that. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. Why are you doing money that way? Because that's what I learned, and that's what I figured you do. I mean, everybody lives with debt. You can't have a car without debt. You can't be a student without a loan. I mean, that's how society works, right? I mean, we're trying our best, but there's a better way to live. Why, why, why are you doing self-image the way that you do? Why, why are you doing health and fitness the way that you do? It's easier. It's more convenient. It's more comfortable. We choose a path of least resistance. And I know I should, but there's a better way to live. So I just want to ask, how's it working for you?
the life you're living right now, how's it working for you? There's a better way to live. And Jesus shows us that better way to live. He says it in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The way that you assess if what you're doing is good or not is you just ask the question, is this leading me to light, easy living? Is this producing in me a rich, full life? Because if this is not light and free, if this is not rich and full, there's a better way to live. Because that's what Jesus promises. I, I have a better way for you to live. When you think about your marriage, when you think about your pursuit of purity, when you think about your dating relationship, when you think about your self-image, when you think about the way that you do finances, when you think about your priorities, when you think about your schedule, when you think about the way that you manage a calendar, when you think about all of these different things, just take one at a time, assess, and say, how's this working for me? Is it light-free living? Do I feel a rich, full life in this? Or do I feel anxiety and frustration? Do, do, do I feel hurt? Do I feel bitterness and resentment? Oh, if that's the result, if that's what I'm getting in my life, what I'm doing is not good. There's a better way to live. And we find that in following Jesus. Proverbs explains this truth. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Again, I get it. I know you're doing your best. And this seems right to me. This is all I know how to live. This is all I know how to do. This is what I was taught. Yeah, but in the end, it leads to death. As you think about your life and what you're experiencing, would you say, man, I am so full of life. It is rich and full in this area. Or man, this anxiety feels like death. This stress feels like death. This guilt feels like death. This bitterness welling up within me feels like death. There's a better way to live. There is a better way to live. I want to I point this out, and then I'll be done. Jethro comes to Moses, and he said, Moses, what you're doing is not good. This morning, I Jethroed on you. There's some stuff in your life that's not good. Here's my fear. You're going to hear this. You're going to hit up Moe's later for lunch or Panera or some restaurant or go back home, get some chicken wings, whatever it is you got planned for today. And you're going to say, I need to think about that. And then you're going to go right back to your life on Monday doing the same thing you've been doing. You're going to go right back to your life on Tuesday doing the same thing you've been doing. Right back on Wednesday doing the same. Nothing's going to change. That's what happens in church. I went to church. I heard a sermon. I got inspired. I got challenged. That's some stuff I need to think about. My fear is that nothing's going to change. So I just wrote on you, I want to invite you to play the role of Moses. Look at what Moses does. Exodus 18, 24. 
Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He had everybody lined up waiting to hear from him. And then Jethro said, there's a better way for you to do this. Here's what it is. And Moses said, cool, I'm going to start doing that. There's a better way for you to do finances. It's debt-free. There's a better way for you to do marriage. It's to submit to one another and love one another. There's a better way for you to do schedules and calendars. It's to make your priorities right, putting God first above everything else and in everything else. There's a better way for you to do rest, take a Sabbath. The world doesn't revolve around you. There's a better way to live in every area of life. The question is, will you do it? I heard this story from this guy named Rob um, and shared this story about how he had uh, went to lunch with a friend, and they, and they sat down at the uh, at the booth uh, across from one another. And uh, cops are here. No, they sat down at this booth across from one another, and Rob was just telling him about how overwhelmed he felt and how stressed he felt, and all these things that were going on in his life, and this burden and this weight he was feeling. By the way, by the way. This past week, man, I talked to at least five different people who described to me how their life felt overwhelming, how they just felt burdened, like, oh, there was so much going on. And he was telling this guy this, how, he, how burdened he felt, how overwhelmed he felt, and, and the guy just was listening to Rob go on and on, and he said, Rob, listen, you don't have to live like this. And Rob said, I know I don't have to live like this, but, but I got this going on, and these demands from these people, and they expect, they said, no, no, Rob, listen, you don't have to live like this. I know, I know, I know, I know. Rob, no, you don't know. You don't have to live like this. 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 Sometimes, and as, as he heard this man say this over and over again, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. It started to resonate with him like a deep bass note. Oh, I don't have to live like this. Can I just say to you this morning, what you're doing is not good. There's a better way to live. And whatever it is that's causing friction and stress and resentment and bitterness and hurt and pain, you don't have to live like this. You, you don't have to live like this. 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 There's a better way to live. And Jesus offers that. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, but believing that he died from the cross and he rose again from the dead, your first step to entering into this better way to live, into this new life, is by saying yes to him. The way you say yes, I'm just saying, Jesus, I, I don't have it all figured out. I still have questions, but I believe I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. And I've been trying to live life on my own, trying to figure this out on my own. It's not working very well. And so I want to follow you because you have the way to life. And then it's meeting him in the waters of baptism, being immersed into him raised up a brand new creation. We're planning on seeing somebody baptized next sneak peek service, March 6th. 
we got to work out some of the logistics there, but the idea is that we have this hot tub that we'll set up right over here. You're going to get to hear their story and see them get baptized, giving their life to Christ. If you've never made the decision to give your life to Christ and be baptized in him, today's the day to make that decision. you got some uh, little slips of paper on your seat. We want to invite you to give you give us your information. That's for everybody in here. If everybody would take a moment before you leave to fill out that card, let us get your information. We just want to say thanks for coming to our second sneak peek. But if you need to make a decision to say yes to Jesus, um, say, I want to follow Jesus on there, or I have questions about following Jesus, something. But your first step is to make a decision to follow Jesus. And for those of you who are following Jesus, we're about to take communion. You have uh, little cups in your seat. Probably not now because you moved it so you wouldn't sit on it. But um, in these cups are some juice and there's also a cracker on top. We do communion to remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. This isn't a ritual. It's a reminder that we need Jesus on a daily basis because he leads us towards the life we long to live. So I want to invite you at any time that you like, go ahead and take communion. You just take that cracker, eat that. That reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us on the cross. The juice reminds us of the blood that was shed for us. Feel free to take that at any time that you like. But let it be a reminder to you, too, throughout the week that he, he sits in front of you and he says, you don't have to live like this. There's a better way to live. And I offer that way. I want to take a moment just to sit in silence and, and pray as we reflect on God's goodness and the way that he leads us in. God, we are so grateful for the life you call us to. And I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for the times I go my own way and not your way. I'm so sorry for the times I think I know better than you. Oh, and it's so evident in my life when things mess up and don't go right and I feel stressed and I feel pressure and I feel overwhelmed and it leads me towards a life that's not light and free and full and rich. And so, God, I'm sorry for that and I come back to you and say, I want to follow you. Help me change my habits, my attitudes, my mindset. Pray you help us trust in you first. Seek you first before decisions made. I pray that this week, I pray that today we would drill in and examine parts of our life and say, this is not good. It's time to change. I know I got a reason for it. I know I got an excuse for it. I know I got a justification for it. But it's not leading me to rich, full life, and it's got to change. Help us do that today so that we can enter into this rich, full life you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Hey, well, thanks so much for listening. My hope is that you were inspired by what you heard and your inspiration would move you to action and you would want to join our launch team. You can check out more information and join our team at thisisjourney.church. You can also give there to support the ministry. You can sign up for our prayer team to be praying for what God is doing in and through us. But my hope is you'll join us and get in on the ground level because the journey continues.